0: Hello, I am C-3PO, and I believe the Storyteller is ready, so let us begin. So just leave them here.
1: Don't play the high mind with me. You're not here to save anybody but yourself. I saw the first minute you came into camp. You're just like me. We are born in the hole, and all we know is climbing over somebody else to get out. This week, the story is about the midway point of Andor, when we finally got to see the epic heist that's been teased for the last several weeks. Not only did it not disappoint for me anyway, but it provided a new excitement for the show that I've otherwise been struggling to connect to, and of course, we've talked about that. Ross, we've concluded another arc in the series now, uh, we've got a lot of story rolling, a lot of character development. Let's start with the end of the episode so I can ask you, where does Cassian and or the character go from this point on?
0: Uh, no clue. That's one of the best parts about this is that it was a complete, like the arc felt very complete. Uh, it's a great kind of mid-season finale, even though that's not the way this is being executed. Um, it can really go anywhere. The last arc ended with it being pretty obvious he was going to do something for Luthien, but this kind of puts him back in the driver's seat and probably brings him back to Ferrix or at least back to his mission of finding his sister. And then maybe we continue on Luthan's story and intermingle that with Saul Guerreras or something, uh, or maybe Cassian does something else entirely, but I, it wouldn't surprise me if the next arc Involves some of the characters from the first arc
1: yeah they're definitely not afraid in this series to park a character for long periods of time like you mentioned cassian's sister or bix who was introduced to us in the pilot as you know absolutely somebody to be gauged as probably significant in cassian's adventure but has otherwise not appeared again and then even luthan or mon mothma who did make appearances in this episode but so minimally and at the very end that if you were enjoying the episode at all, you weren't missing them. And that can be a really good thing because it means they already have access to an ensemble. Um, But uh, it'd be interesting to see if they can deftly weave in and out of those characters um, throughout the whole series. Granted, there are some who we've been investing time with who we won't be seeing again.
0: That's true. This episode, uh, I mean, we expected some people to die. I don't know if I expected as many people to die a as a was. And it was uh, great in the fact that they really made the deaths unceremonious. There was no uh, lingering shot. There was no Tala holding the thermal detonator and going out in a slow motion while Obi Wan screams and a blast door shuts. True. Uh, it was. Wait a minute! Did Gorn just get shot? Oh, I, okay, he's gone. Um, oh, there goes another. Like it was just like you, you, you had to kind of follow along. And like, I just, I, I blinked, and then Nemec was pinned underneath. All oh, their yeah! Credits. What a brutal
1: and, death! That's an unusual kind of death in Star Wars, by the way.
0: Yeah, absolutely. But I thought it was great in the sense that it was. You think you're home free. The character you think is going to die the most gets killed. In a way that it almost it doesn't seem fair, but it, he's killed by the mission yep. uh, and not by a blaster shot. And so it's almost like he's killed by his philosophy, which I guess is kind of a good thing for him. Uh, it would be it's
1: almost the, the most righteous death th- that he could have. Yeah, you could uh, also say so that he was really good. You could also say that he was just killed by the by their clumsiness, like because they had to kind of scamper off in order to get away. It was like it was quite frantic and they weren't able to secure the cargo for example
0: yeah absolutely i i it's interesting that they overall didn't really have their shit together on the mission but they pulled it off pretty seamlessly yeah it, it was one that there were parts of it that were extremely well planned and timed and clearly they like they knew the imperial patterns um, there was a little bit of luck uh, and then there was a little bit of bad luck, uh, but it was overall it was uh, it was a pretty cutthroat mission, start to finish. And uh, they kind of left a little bit of room for being frantic because they planned to either <coughs> take prisoners or take no prisoners. And that's kind of a little bit up for debate as well. But it was it was overall it was a, a, a pretty intense mission.
1: Uh, can we be a little clearer about our opinions about this episode? Because I would love an opportunity to say that I friggin' loved it. It's like yeah, it, it was it's great. Like a different show. It finally felt like Star Wars to me and there was drama and there was good dialogue. And it was, frankly, it was intelligible. I I understood the plot that was happening. And maybe that makes me kind of basic. And like, I, I don't know, I, maybe I'd be... Uh, uh, my time would be better served doing a fast and furious podcast or something because I, I i just kind of in i enjoyed it for what it was and we got traditional star wars imagery it didn't feel like it was wasting my time thank god
0: i actually i really really loved the episode i still didn't feel very like it it hit a lot of star wars buttons Interesting. Uh, it was great to see one alien on screen for longer than 0.5 seconds a lot Uh, of tie fighters was really interesting Uh, there were a lot of tie fighters and they were cool and they sounded incredible and there those were some really good shots uh when they were kind of flying through the eye and uh there was some good kind of harkens back to rogue one with climb and he almost sounded exactly like K2 when he was saying these kind of lines to Castian and just barking the orders the same way that uh, Nemec was doing the same way K2 was. And so there was some of those kind of good reference points, but it still didn't feel super Star Wars-y to me. It felt uh, maybe a little bit more so than some episodes, but that doesn't mean I didn't really, really love it. And uh, it's still, hit on a lot of star wars themes selfishness and selflessness uh hope versus hopelessness that's the first thing that's brought up in the episode yeah. uh, between cassian and nemic and just this overall burgeoning rebellion uh, and kind of the shock that that has from the galaxy and the fact that kind of a small band can can do a lot more than what they're expected and what's expected of them. And so it really hit on a lot of the great Star Wars themes. Uh, I meant more so, I guess, visually that it didn't. It still didn't quite strike me in a Star Wars way. But in the same vein, it was also visually maybe the most impressive thing yeah. that has been done on Star Wars It TV. was cinematic. It was incredible.
1: Yes. The, the, the one the sky lights up with all the blue. That was like absolutely cinema at its at its finest, at least in terms of home entertainment. And another thing that's not necessarily Star Wars related, but uh, I've been coming back to a lot is that there was a lot of present uh, spy film imagery, like, you know, uh, Senta climbing up the ladder and like trying to keep quiet and listening in while the guards are having a chat. And I think we even have some like lowering down on... On like a wire, and like it really felt like a like a break in especially in the first half that's what kept me interested, and then the second half was all escape action, and so that was good too. um what do you think was the significance of focusing so much on the Donny people, which are like not previously focused on at all, but they're like an indigenous group of people to aldani um actually they're referred to as pilgrims and they they zero in a lot on this leader and then at the end, we get a close up on a single tier, which I guess is meant to symbolize that like, you know, evil is prevailing here in the galaxy. Does it mean that they're doomed? Do they represent a lot of um, less fortunate people in the galaxy?
0: Uh, well, I definitely think they're a representation of just the Empire's ability to kind of just destroy a community. The, the tier is one that maybe i'm misremembering it i only remember uh kind of like a tear that i i interpreted as like oh my god this is so beautiful because they're watching the eye that's that's really all i saw from it uh, i thought it was really interesting that it shows a complete like a society at peace even though they've been completely downtrodden to the fullest extent the same way that the rebels have their at peace and at the same time being taken advantage of entirely but because of their passive pacifism uh by the empire and that's why this group of rebels it's almost like you have to look at them with an even closer lens because it makes you question okay wait a minute they just kidnapped a kid they're taking yeah like these people hostage it just adds an extra level of i guess gray To our main characters and making the audience question is what are like are they really doing the right thing here they're not helping anyone directly they're robbing uh the empire and not really caring about the consequences of any of the actions but thinking purely about the big picture uh, and not necessarily the people and then that has obviously of course ripple effects with the people that directly get injured in this episode
1: that's a great observation and maybe a better word for the Donny people here, uh, then peace would be acceptance. like this is something the rebels could yeah. be doing rather than trying to to run amok and steal and make some kind of political statement. Maybe they could just like, you know go on with their way um, and and let the chips fall as they do. Uh, it was pretty sad. I, I found their um, depiction to be kind of depressing. Yeah. I mean,
0: you're not supposed to, that's not necessarily the more, well, it's not the right answer, but it goes to make you question that sometimes the right answer is really, really hard if, if it means doing a lot of wrong things. And then yep. ultimately that is the character of Cassian Andor. in a pinch. It's this character who's doing all of the wrong things for the right reasons. And if you look at each individual action, it's terrible. Each individual impact is terrible, but overall, It's all for the right reason. It's all for the bigger impact and it's necessary.
1: I guess. I don't know if I really see him being capital T terrible in this show. I think that like he's brooding and he, and he'll like, you know, kill a guy if he thinks he has to. And I don't just mean um, Skeen Is that his name? Um, Like it happens earlier in the episode too. And we've seen it happen with the character before, but like invariably in without exception, you would do the same if you're in that instance. So I really don't know if I'm, totally buying Cassian as this like dark anti-hero Tony Soprano character. I don't I don't think he is that. I just think that he gets put in a lot of unfortunate situations where he has to survive.
0: Yeah, but but that is unfortunate situations and having to deal with them he's dealing with these unfortunate situations and getting through but no, it's never pleasant mm. uh he's it's, he's not necessarily being suave or cool about it he's not your han solo or your tony soprano because it's not calculating and it's not suave it's just dirty but yeah. it's necessary and I, I guess necessary is maybe the most uh, important word uh, to kind of get across with with Cassian or at least that's the one thing that I'm getting across with his character arc and ultimately even the one you get in rogue one.
1: So we get a interesting Sinta moment, um, before they're like marching in to do the job. Uh, is it, is it her? Yeah. She likes to give orders. He comments that she likes to give orders and, and Skeen says, uh, you don't know, do you? And he says, what do you mean? And he says, um, Oh, we're talking about Tamron. Tamron no. used to be a, um, he used to be a stormtrooper." And and, uh, then she ties into that story somehow that like her whole family got killed by stormtroopers and like maybe by his stormtroopers, which does raise the question of like why she would be involved with him. Um, I don't think
0: um, it was by his stormtroopers. That's kind of how I read
1: it. I mean, it wouldn't make sense. So so maybe you're right. But
0: um, I think it's just the representation that... They're all just every stormtrooper is the same sort of.
1: I guess. But like the existence of the character is proof that that's not the case. Like now we've known two different stormtroopers to defect because of, you know, the hardwiring isn't enough and they realize that they have their own ideals. So yeah, every stormtrooper's not the same. I know. I know and same. that's the reason why they can coexist. Yeah. But it does. It still doesn't take away from the fact that her family
0: was killed by faceless stormtroopers. And just because you took off the helmet doesn't mean you still weren't a stormtrooper.
1: She's not. one of, very so few, to
0: build a lot of trust.
1: One of very few characters who survives this episode. And we haven't spent a lot of time with her thus far. And we've never really talked about her. Um, I don't know if she's going to make a return. It would be surprising if she didn't, considering almost certainly Vel is going to make a return. Um, and so probably the two of them together, but like that's it. The rest of them gone.
0: So then there's the the big kind of exciting part of the episode is the the casual quiet moment while Namek's getting operated on and Skiing just decides to bring up, we could steal it and split it 50-50. And it's a complete shock to you. But then this conversation just continues to trickle on. And it was by a landslide the best part of the episode for me. Yeah. I just loved how exciting it was. The entire episode was very tense uh, and I felt tense watching it. But this was exciting and a really surprising twist but a, and a very satisfying one and one that while surprising it, it, it's exactly what cassian says like no i don't believe that well that's something you're gonna have to think about is what he tells devel and it's like yeah you do kind of think but and as the conversation is going you're like i didn't really trust this guy in the first five minutes i should have stuck to that he's curmudgeonly and cranky and oh and then you find out that he like he may not even have a brother so that was a fun, fantastic conversation
1: well and He's always appeared to be quite idealistic or at least preachy, right? He's like really mm-hmm. pious about like their mission and how he wants to be uh, perceived as different from Cassian. And so for it to turn out that actually he doesn't have any morals other than he needs to survive and that he tries to weaponize that to compare himself to Cassian, to rope Cassian in um, is is pretty um, sinister, Although Mm -hmm. you do buy it, like you said, like it, it kind of tracks with who this guy has appeared to be thus far. Although if you're Cassian in that moment, and this is what I meant a second ago when I said that, um, uh, he's kind of gets backed into these corners where he really has no other choice. Like after this guy makes this nefarious, uh, suggestion to you, can you trust him not to kill you too? Of course not. And so he kind of has to do what he has to do. Um, but it was satisfying the way it was done because he didn't think about it at all. And again, we've seen Cassian like kill somebody he had to kill for the greater good. Uh, this one was... was and it also, by the way, you're not watching House of the Dragon, but there's a really fast and slightly unexpected kill because somebody was running their tongue a little bit too much in this week's episode. And so it really kind of partners well with that. Not as gory as you can imagine. But a guy who should have shut up five minutes ago just dies real fast. And you kind of jump out of your seat when it happens.
0: Yeah, it was a really great moment. uh, And it also makes you think about all of his actions differently. Like, did he really want to save Nemec or did he want to pull over so that he had an opportunity to steal it? Was this his plan the entire time? Mm. Did he not set things up right? Did he specifically, like, miss kind of stack the the credits in a way or organize it so that he knew somebody would get injured or was oh. his plan always to make sure somebody could get injured so that they could do this backup plan and go to the doctor or was it his plan to to knock off a few people in the group uh just to kind of dwindle it down so it, it, it i'm really excited to watch this episode again to see if there's a few things that were placed throughout the episode that can make it kind of um The the reveal maybe hinted at a little bit that maybe none of us really picked up on
1: now What about the the manifesto which was kind of left to Cassian? I mean Nemec who appeared to kind of have a friendship with Skeen, Chose not to leave it with Skeen, and so maybe he didn't really trust him especially either and he sees something in Cassian Um, How is that going to play a role in the show going forward? Is he going to gain some wisdom from from Nemec's writings that's going to inform him as a character
0: yeah, I, I I think definitely, whether it's uh, a, a quote here or a quote there or something that um, kind of ropes everything back into the ideals of joining the rebellion, uh, something that I, I, I don't know why, but I feel like there's going to be a good Rogue One tie in there. The way that they talked about... Um, feeling hopeless and um, this being something that Cassian will need to kind of refer back to in, in a darker point to make him see the, the bigger picture. And so uh, I think it's a good plot device. Uh, it makes some sense uh, that he was going to leave it with Cassian, who's the, the potential disciple. He's the lost soul of all of them, as opposed to being somebody who's, who's clearly hardwired uh, and thus isn't as impressionable. Uh, so I guess that's maybe Nemec's goal with it is that this is a kind of a Hail Mary that Cassian could still be changed for the bigger picture. Vel doesn't need it and Skeen's too much of his own thing, but maybe Cassian could could see some hope and maybe that'll kind of inform his character
1: moving forward. We probably should talk about the imperial family that gets taken hostage. Um, mm. By the way, really impressive acting on the part of like the husband and the wife. I'm not sure what that like general character's name is, but like he he really falls from grace in this episode in kind of a spectacular way. You don't get to see uh, within the Star Wars uh, uh, bad guy milieu very often, and that his wife mm. is just uh, she's beside herself, just trying to protect her family. Like, we see those emotions in Star Wars, but never from the bad guys. In fact, we never see or even consider that there are families behind the bad guys in Star Wars. And so it was it was interesting to see the dynamic shifted in this way. I'm not sure if I have any, like, rich observations about it. It was just kind of cool to see.
0: Yeah, I don't have any rich observations either. Uh, somebody did point out in a podcast that he dies... Like of a heart attack the within 20 minutes of doing work where he mocks all of these people for their <laughs> kind of rural lifestyle and not being as civilized as him whereas he has no idea of what's needed for a society to function properly and the right. first time he has to do a lick of physical work it literally kills him yeah <laughs> and like they it doesn't he doesn't even have to get shot by a rebel or anything uh but he yeah, he deserves his fate because he just sucks. He's an asshole to his kid and his wife. Uh and he's just he's so fat and satisfied, as Cassian says in the trailer, uh and in one of the earlier episodes. And uh he's just your prototypical Imperial. And uh it was it was great to see him fall from grace. I, I thought it was uh it was a fun kind of watch. And while there was not really much if any levity in the episode this would maybe be where it was uh in that it was worth a, an occasional little snicker of what his wife said was pretty funny uh, just in terms of uh, seeing him on his best behavior uh when he like he wants them to be all um, acting a certain way i just i thought that was funny but yeah uh, and
1: there was a good i won't remember the quote but there's a good bit of dialogue when i think he realizes that the coup is happening and he says to gorn You'll, I think it's Gorn. You'll hang for this, mm-hmm. and Gorn says something to the effect of, "All these years working for you, my punishment could be far worse," or something like that. It's not at all, what he yes. says, "But it's something to that spirit."
0: I think it's seven years serving you, and I deserve far worse. Yeah, that's right, and that's yeah, or something very close to that. But yeah, and and that's a great line, and Gorn was a really good character. Yeah, I would like to learn some more about Gorn. It's disappointing that he died. I think, I think he'd be a really cool rebel, but at this point. I don't know if actually there is a whole lot more to his story uh, and that's a, that's extra sad because <laughs> it was very unceremonious and his life was sad. He made a great realization uh, and turned on the Empire but died in the process and so. Uh,
1: and I don't think we saw Cyril at all in this episode. We saw Dedra nope. but very briefly uh, Just walking. And we did see a, an interesting Mon Mothma scene where she's like delivering she's like holding the floor in the senate and but only sort of yeah she like doesn't have the respect of anybody in fact people are mm. kind of leaving and i wasn't sure exactly what was happening there i mean other than that people are are kind of cluing into the fact that the senate is you can't do anything here so why are you trying so hard why are you being such a try hard mon mothma like i'm i'm going to lunch early because clearly nothing we do here has any kind of like democratic um significance is, am i right about that or was there a specific event occurring I, I think it was uh, people were getting notification that uh,
0: the empire was robbed of $80 million. Sure. I think yeah. that was kind of because she had to look at like a tablet. But at the same time, everything you're saying was still valid because the, the Senate was in general empty there. It was the right the yeah. few people who were there were leaving. Uh, but overall, she was speaking to nobody. It looked like, you know, a real Senate. Whereas nobody showed up and it's just one person, you know, trying to push something through and nobody's listening. And it's almost like she's filibustering to try and keep things going, but just nobody cares at this point. And it's such a great, it's so sad, but it's a great comparison to the Padme speeches in the prequels in the way that it's full and it's preaching a similar message But now nobody listens.
1: It's such an interesting thing to get to witness within Star Wars. And just it's like a cool thing for a character to experience uh, before she decides that a real change has to come. Like, of course, this would happen before there's some kind of like great political revolution. Um, And I never would have imagined for like, you know, my decades as a Star Wars fan that I would find Mon Mothma to be this deeply interesting. But I do. There's no question; she's my favorite character in the show. Just from like mm-hmm. a Star Wars standpoint, I'm. I'm. She is what kind of glues everything back into like the greater timeline, um, and you know the other thing that's ironic is that I find the politics, the intergalactic politics, to be the the most riveting part of the story, which was not always how we felt.
0: Yeah, I, I agree with that as well, and that was something that I was. I was almost expecting coming into this and I was expecting more Mon Mothma than we're getting up until this point. So I do hope it increases. Uh, I wasn't necessarily wishing for it in this episode because this episode was definitely my favorite thus far. Mm. Uh, But at the end, it was nice to see Luthan and Mon Mothma and I would definitely like some more screen time with them. Like to see some more of the, the upper levels of the rebellion in terms of the the political implications that they have we don't really get that in, or we don't get that in revenge of the sith it's in some of the deleted scenes but that's something that i really want uh there's the the delegation of 2000 that they have in the revenge of the sith deleted scenes whether it's kind of forming something up along those lines or even just anything that brings in bail organa uh, i would i would really like to see that that would definitely start to make things feel A little bit more star warsy and i don't want to make it feel like it just needs to be familiar characters all the time no but even in the senate uh there was no one up close who was an alien and there was maybe i think three that i could make out that were aliens in their like fuzzy outlines uh it was still mostly people and that might be one of the big ones in in this series thus far that uh, is uh pulling me out is that there's there's just not enough uh there aren't enough aliens to make it feel fully like Star Wars.
1: Yeah, and that's only sometimes explainable. Like, you make a good point that can't really happen within the burglars because they have to look like Imperial officers and stuff. But, like, it does seem like a huge uh, a huge missing piece of the show. And it's also deliberate, so that's confusing. Like, why are they making this choice so actively? Um, we should talk briefly about the the Luthan sequence. So we cut back to him. He's working in his shop. He's kind of just, like, slinging some bull with a customer who's going to buy a piece of jewelry. Um, when he overhears from another customer who's like reading the news on a tablet um about the robbery on Eldani, and so he's kind of flustered at first. He is intent on not emoting in the face and he asks to go look out back for something and once he's out there and alone, he lets out this pretty creepy laugh like this this kind of weird. Like laugh of success, I guess he's happy because it means his job got done. But also, like, again, what the fuck is the matter with this guy? Who, what, like, <laughs> why do you behave this way? What do you want? Are your intentions pure?
0: What do you want
1: is yeah. definitely
0: what I'm really curious about. I do believe that his intentions are aligned for the most part I, I, with the rebels. I don't know if he's an extremist or not. Uh, he might be more extreme than Saw Gerrera. We don't know that. He could be an absolute batshit mercenary uh, and wants the rebellion to do the worst things ever. But he was, he just seemed like a, holy fuck, I can't believe it worked. Uh, and it was like this Hail Mary. And it makes you th- feel a little bit like, was everybody... Uh, supposed to die and this was just a happy kind of whoo! it worked you kind of thought he maybe had like a, a good rapport with Vel, but at the same time i got the ex- expect uh, got started the reaction from that that he did not expect it to work right uh, and so he was just kind of dumbfoundedly excited that it did
1: i know that the show is going to do some time jumping I-, I think we're to assume that that's between seasons is it out of the question that there's a time jump between episode six and seven
0: only a couple months that would be the maximum that it could be Uh, I think it's supposed to take place generally over a year uh so that actually should imply that a couple months is going to pass at some point between either this arc or the next one it would make a ton of sense if it's between these two right here to show that casting's been maybe laying low using his 170 to 200,000 credits yeah um as kind of just his ability to to get by and maybe still looking for his sister maybe maybe the next episode starts the same way the first episode did and it's him walking into a brothel uh
1: but on a different planet and uh he's looking for a sister there do you have any other thoughts about this episode it was a really good one i watched it in two halves and i um was pretty quickly just kind of like revitalized and now i'm like not dreading watching the next one which is a word i shouldn't have to use in talking about star wars but i'm relieved if anything to have enjoyed this
0: i mean that's totally fair though it's something that you want to be able to enjoy and if you're not really enjoying it you don't want to also artificially try to make yourself enjoy it but sometimes i do find that um, whether it's specifically trying to think on something or watching it again or having a conversation about it or listening to a podcast. It has allowed me in some cases to enjoy some of the episodes a little bit more. In some cases, not it doesn't really add anything to it because I don't feel like there was really that much there. And some people are are reaching on some of like when the way people talked about the first three episodes, like they were all gold. Yeah, I just I don't get that. They weren't all gold. Um, I don't remember anything that happened in episode two right now. I literally can tell you nothing that happened in episode two. Right. Um, and that's, in in my opinion, that goes to show that there's at least some weird way in which this is being delivered to us. Um, but this one was, was really interesting. It makes me want to come back for more. Uh, I thought the pacing of the episode was really good. Um, it was, yeah, it was really exciting. I, I, in, in kind of thinking back to a few things, the Aldani should have been. Uh, aliens there's there's a way right there to make this feel a little bit more like star wars well i guess maybe yeah yeah there's really no way that that can't work uh that would make a lot of sense and also the they're downtrodden and uh the empire particularly hates uh aliens and so that could have worked um other than that uh yeah it was interesting to learn that uh terraman was a stormtrooper um i'll be interested to see if we see vel again we will and uh yeah, yeah, probably. Um, but that was, yeah, that's kind of the, the main takeaways for the episode for me.
1: Anything in the news we should hit on?
0: Uh, not a ton, but there are a couple things. things. Uh, there's going to be uh, an inquisitor book. Uh, it's called Inquisitor Rise of the Red Blade. Uh, so that's kind of interesting. It's talking about uh, the inquisitor that was like in, I think, one or two comic books uh, and literally nobody knows anything about. So it's kind of like they filled the most just Random inquisitor and said, Hey, let's give this character a backstory. So that's kind of interesting that they might be doing a series of inquisitor books. Always interesting to learn more about them and how their kind of dynamic was and see if maybe more Reva stories can intertwine with that. That'd be interesting. Yeah, she's a character in there. Um. Ahmed Best, Jar Jar Binks, is doing a one-man show about his time making the prequels, and I'm sure uh, the impact it had on him really? uh, as and his mental health and, and whatnot. Uh, I think it's a really interesting thing. I'll be yeah. interested to see kind of how that's overall structured. Um, and and uh, he's just such a wonderful ambassador of Star Wars. The fact that he came back for the Jedi Temple Challenge and the, he was... He's, been treated him and Jake Lloyd have been treated worse than maybe anyone ever in the history of Hollywood
1: yeah and pretty pretty unkind and uh, Ewan McGregor does his work to undo that to the best of his ability Mm. especially in the case of Ahmed Best he doesn't miss an opportunity to say his name and talk about the experience as it included him.
0: He was a pioneer of performance capture and that gets overlooked. Uh, To a very wrong degree and uh, something that um, is is being somewhat remedied and he gets his due and respect a lot more now, um, but it's still uh, disappointing what he had to go through. But that's cool. He's getting one man show and I I hope. Yeah, that's really interesting. Uh, Only other thing would be that there are a lot of games in development and uh, Star Wars wants to make more. They want to get games, video games out on kind of like a six month basis. So they have two games a year, one really big tentpole and one maybe smaller game. Uh, And so that's really exciting now that they're not uh, exclusively dealing with uh, EA. They had like a 10 year contract with them that I think ends next year um, that kind of allows them to. Uh, release games with from different studios and so uh, we'll get some more interesting and uh, diverse star wars games moving forward which is which is exciting because that's a that is definitely a a severely lacking element
1: of Disney Star Wars. Makes no sense. All right, well, we want to hear your thoughts on this episode of Andor. Um, Please uh, always tweet at Recorder66 or email Recorder66podcast at gmail.com. Be be sure to rate and review on whatever podcast app you're using or if you're with us on YouTube, be sure to like and subscribe. Of course, we'll be back next week uh, with all of our thoughts on episode seven. We're into the back nine which is actually the back six on Andor. Uh, And so we'll see if it uh, can hold where it it reached for this week. Uh, I certainly hope so. Until we are together again, may the force be with you.